Art Design. I'm Laurel Byers here with Shar Roy. And today we'll be talking about collaborating across global teams. We have Oro Nayak here, Senior Manager for Worldwide Operations. Oro, welcome and please introduce yourself to our listeners. Thank you so much, Laurel, for inviting me to this podcast. I have a bachelor's degree in industrial design with a specialization in product design. Uh, while I've transitioned into the world of UI UX design, my heart still beats for product design. And I eagerly seek opportunities as when possible to create tangible things. Over the past two decades, I have, uh, you know, gathered enough experiences that spans across various domains and industries. Uh, while I have been practicing designer, I also had the privilege of building and establishing UI uh, teams for organizations. Additionally, I also had got enough opportunities to play a pivotal role in setting up offshore development centers uh, in my previous organizations. Uh, my career journey has taken me through diverse industries, including education, retail banking, clinical healthcare, diagnostic imaging, mobile, commerce, and sometimes uh, creating OS for tablets, industrial automation for SCADA systems and HMI been my favorite area for automotives and off late, of course, exploring my way in the realm of cloud enterprise. Uh, along with the domain, some of the, uh, you know, industries that I have been associated in the past includes General Motors, Human Factors International, Tata Alexi, Frog Design and Philips. Uh, consciously, not but my career has kind of transitioned across industries ranging from service to consulting and now to product nice and now you're here at vmware and you run a pretty big team over in india um and you know vmware is global so we have we have different team members all over the world and and that was one reason we wanted to interview you today it's because of the impact that you've had um, for the team out um, in india uh, maybe you can speak a little bit about um, the teams that you manage out there and how they function um, on that side of the world. I am responsible for designing end user experiences for multiple portfolios, which includes Customer Connect, IT internal apps, partner programs, and few colleague experiences. Uh, besides, uh, you know, these apps, I'm also kind of leading a combined team of designers and UI developers which uh, kind of gives us immense uh, freedom and flexibility to learn each of our trades so that and which we tend to kind of you know propagate across different teams while we are working with our cross-functional partners and other R&D teams. You mentioned you have experience setting up offshore teams right can you tell us what does the ex that experience look like how do you um, set up an offshore team, what are some of the challenges and how long does it take and when do you know that you have actually done it? One of the interesting things that when you're building these offshore competency teams, that's a typical uh, you know, setup that happens mostly in a service or in a consulting industry. So what happens is when you are working with a particular customer for a certain amount of time and have been you know, consistently delivering user experiences with success uh, at some point in time the resident or the oem decides to kind of build a dedicated team uh, with uh, with you 
that's when that's where it starts your you know offshore competency center because the oem feels that now you are aligned with their vision now you are aligned with their way of working you are aligned with their practices processes and you are one of you have become one of a strategic partners for them in terms of design where you know for them to build an in-house team might tend to be more uh, difficult as opposed to you know extending it across uh, you know other client or the uh, vendor ecosystem and build a competent competency center yeah can you can you describe oem real fast sorry <laughs> uh, ori original equipment manufacturers oh, yeah uh, I, I think it comes from oro's uh, industrial design background yep so in our in our world we intel ibms broadcom they are all original equipment manufacturers so in in the current digital world now the same acronym has started traveling for example because now all of us as user experience designers are also known as product designers right so being product designers we tend to be you know uh, in, interacting with oems now all these uh, microsofts and googles anyone who is building even a digital product they're also known to be oems yeah now going back to um, offshore teams while you uh, oro mentioned how we have um, those extended teams whether it's a vendor instead of you are having your own teams um, or setting up uh, your remote team in in a different location uh, in in vmware we have seen that teams grow within that region so you just don't have design but you have an entire set of uh, strategy being built and execution taken care everything in in different locations right whether it's india or whether it's bulgaria and uh, we want to talk about managing those global teams if you are looking at a horizontal so uh, i wanted to start with understanding uh, your experiences about setting up those offshore teams where uh, strategy is not there in that location but it's coming from another location maybe the headquarters versus everything being said and done there what are some of the pros and cons and anything from your experience or uh the nature of communication changes you know as opposed to when you are building your strategy at the site level as opposed to you know you're translating the strategy which comes from the parent organization or the oem or let's say if in our case you know uh, a central uh, organization which might be outside our site so the important aspect is that you know how do we align to that vision how do we align to that strategy and not only aligning to the strategy but also how do you kind of translate those strategy across to your team or across teams how do you kind of uh, you know uh, gain that trust with the uh, you know key stakeholders that you uh, along with your team will be able to deliver that strategy and sometimes what happens is that you know it's just not the strategy which comes from a oem side there might be a team which is working on that part of the world and there's a team which is working on this part of the world so how do you kind of you know create a sense of accountability ownership you know um, how do you kind of uh, end up ensure that you know teams are communicating effectively there is you know uh, enough interactions so that, that there is no gap in the translation of the intent you know 
so these are some of the key things which become uh, very important irrespective of whether you have a off center competency uh, you know team or you have your in house team which are working across different locations maybe we can go through an example right um I'm trying to think of like my own working scenario, right? Because we have like, so I'm part of the SASE team, right? And um, I have designers here in the US. And then we have two designers over um, in India, based in India. And so if we're using like the example, you're talking about the site and the like the HQ or yeah, headquarters <laughs> would be Palo Alto <laughs> or the, I guess that team primarily resides. And then we're working with the offshore team in India. These are just kind of new terms, at least from my perspective. Um, I mean, obviously we have like a global team, um, but we're very small. So it's interesting hearing, or you share certain terminology where I'm trying to like kind of connect it to the scenario I'm in. And I'm also trying to think of like our listeners and what maybe like, you know, a lot of this might be new for them as well. Um, so an example would be, that was only my example, but I'm curious if you have an example you'd like to share for our listeners to be able to kind of comprehend a little bit. A couple of examples that I can share would be maybe from my past experiences and then possibly transition into VMware. So one of the examples would be that we were a off-center competency team for General Motors when I started my career in India. So we kind of uh, started our career as digital sculptors. So we were responsible for building uh, or, you know, doing the visualization for automotives. And we used to receive a lot of uh, design sketches from Detroit. You know, And we were supposed to kind of translate those sketches into visualization models in 3D, which would eventually go for production. So now what happens to the designers when they sketch, they are sketching in you know uh, based on the ideas or the concepts or the you know um, strategy that they have but again that is never uh, in real time you know there will be a lot of uh, things with details which would be missing out so and we were working across different time zones so now what happens you know should i when i get those sketches which are known as design intent sketches should i wait almost for a day to get that clarity or how do I proceed? So as a team, uh, the best way, imagining that, you know, we are one team and also trying to kind of get into the shoe of the other designer, we tend to, you know, start working on it, start building on it. So when the next day comes in before we hand off the work or maybe, you know, showcase what we are doing, we end up doing, you know, very high level, uh, you know, splines or outlines of the 3D model to kind of, you know, share it for more interaction so that we don't lose time. And the entire idea of all these offshore competency centers, whether within VMware or whether in any other organization, the idea is to time to market, right? So the organization feels that how do they leverage expertise across locations? How do they reduce the time to market? Uh, how do they optimize costs? And how do we work around the clock? The idea here is that when the other part of the world is sleeping, this part of the world should be able to take the baton and proceed forward so that you know we stay relevant we stay competitive in the market so the idea here is that keeping that entire intent of you know the organization in mind if the team out which is working remotely if they wait for those 24 hours then we lose time so how do we kind of you know take that intent and proceed further how do we do our work around around it and what happens is 
over a period of time that trust is built between these two designers who have never met these two designers who have never seen they belong to different cultures their maturity of handling a certain design problem will be absolutely different to you know another designer who is sitting on a different part of the world because of their exposure to design so this slowly starts reducing the gap and increases the trust and the transparency about you know what we are thinking across you know the other designer gets to know what i am thinking i get to know what the designer is thinking and over a period of time we realize that you know the designer who is actually now doing the design intent sketches they stand up spending much lesser time on the sketches now so they tend to kind of let's say for example if they are able to generate couple of you know visualizations for the car in one day uh, you know uh, now they were able to do lot more because they know that by looking at the sketches they know what to expect from me on this side of the world you know so that's one aspect now coming to vmr so let's say for example uh, with our design leader bev you know coming up with our design eight steps right so while you know uh, i'm sure that bev has spent significant amount of time with lot of uh, you know staff level designers and you know other uh, um, vet veteran designers there or principal designers in us uh, we tend to be part of you know some of the sessions which come to us as a translation of the eight steps now while you know bev or the team might not have an you know ample amount of time to share what was the intent or how to go in lot of details because while it's a process it will take its own time to be documented well to create all the details around the steps but in this part of the world being in the uh, field of design uh, how do we kind of you know interpret it in a way how do we kind of you know help bev to validate some of it early in the process how do we take it you know how do we take that intent uh, you know uh, extrapolate it ourselves try validate you know so that's that's one of the you know ways how you can look at it that you know how teams can complement each other how do they feed uh, you know to the overall vision of the central design team let's say you know that's one of the examples the other example is let's say for example uh, we work with lot of uh, cross functional partners right and when i talk about cross functional partners they might be people from data teams engineering teams program teams operation teams for our partner portal uh the interesting part is none of these people they talk to each other uh on a day to day level because design becomes the bridge design creates artifacts which becomes platform of interaction for all these teams so unless design takes that ownership right uh, of translating some of the insights that we get from these teams and create them into artifact and then kind of create a platform or a uh, you know a, 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 what you can say an opportunity where all these people can now come see what's happening uh, that's when you start you know they start trusting you that's when design starts you know bridging that gap because if design is going to kind of uh, you know wait on them uh, as a you know okay i am on a remote location so how do i connect with them you know uh, should i wait for them or i have not gone got my details i have not got my data so the idea is that you know how do you kind of mature it how do you kind of anticipate extrapolate what they're you know uh, what they are assuming or what they have in their uh, you know top of the mind and then create opportunities for more interactions can you tell us about some of the 
you know, how you have set up those communication channels, which makes it easier for remote teams. So uh, one of the very important aspects of remote teams is onboarding. So when I talk about onboarding, it can be onboarding on day one when we start a project or it might be uh, onboarding or updating the status on a day to day level or because the kind of projects that we are working on, none of those projects are like six weeks or eight weeks projects. They are products which will consistently evolve as technology changes, as users evolve, as time changes, nature of business changes, industry changes. So one of the important aspects is that, you know, uh, the biggest challenge is that, you know, the change of stakeholders, the change of designers. So how do you kind of build that continuity without losing time? Or how do you kind of, you know, build that continuity without impacting the product roadmap or the entire, you know, quarterly plan or the yearly plan? So one of the important aspects is to uh, create, you know, effortless documentation in terms of where you know you can onboard someone as quickly as possible you know irrespective of because a lot of time what happens is you know a lot of our information or the design intent or the intent of the entire project stays with individuals on on the top of their mind and the one of the biggest things that uh, or the challenges is that how do you kind of translate that onto documentation how do you uh, simplify your documentation to the levels that it's easier for consumption so uh, on an enterprise world while you know uh, the documentation still seems to be staggered because what happens with every other team uh, the tools they change and one of the important aspects is that you know uh, you will realize that as soon as you know a new uh, person gets onboarded the first thing that they would do is they will prefer their uh, tool for the quickest documentation. Like for example, even if you have Confluence as the source of truth, uh, some of the PMs would still want to do it on an Excel because Excel is their forte, right? And they would want everyone to again transition to an Excel. So what is important is that, you know, uh, to kind of stick to the documentation platform, you know, stick to your way of documentation. And that becomes a critical aspect when you are building an offshore, uh, offshore development team or uh, you know geographically uh, different uh, lo- location teams across different locations you know or uh, teams that are spread geographically so that's the number one and the second thing is you know a cre- clear role of ownership because a lot of time what happens is that every time we get into a discussion on a either on a day zero or a day 90 everyone seems to understand the project you know in their own ways but we sometimes tend to kind of ignore that you know who is responsible who is accountable who is responsible for what who is accountable for the deliveries and that becomes critical uh, you know at a later stages when you know you are looking for answers or things go off track so that's the second most important aspect is that if on a day zero all these expectations are clear in terms of teams individuals you know, who is taking ownership, who is accountable for uh, what other things. That's the second part. Third, third part would be credibility, right? Lot of things with the off-center team. What happens is that, you know, the team sometimes feels that the proximity to a stakeholder might be advantageous for an individual to grow within the team. So as a leader, it is very important that, you know, you recognize these early in the process and kind of set those transparency or set those expectations clear, saying that, you know, the reason the team 
is built this like this way is because of certain aspects what are some of the strategies you have used to imbibe this accountability or ownership into your folks so the important aspect is transparency of communication you know uh, what happens with the source of truth like for example if each individual draws their own source of truth from different channels then that becomes difficult so for example you know uh, having regular touch points or maybe you know um, touch points not only with the team but also with the stakeholders to kind of share what the team has been working on who has been working on what you know and also kind of clearly outline responsibilities so that you know in, in irrespective of let's say in my absence someone is going to take up that responsibility still because the clarity of the artifact or the part that i'm working on is clear that people are aware that even if you know someone else is representing me in my absence that still the work ownership still belongs to me you know so that is one very important aspect as a leader or you know uh, across distributed teams that you have to have clear roles assigned and so that you know the artifacts created by each individual is unique uh, in their own ways so this i i i picture like in these scenarios you're working with multiple designers on a specific like product um and i say that because you know that's not always the case in the sense that again i'm always going to go back to my own <laughs> life experience uh but at least for me right now like each uh we're a team of three um that's not including myself we have two designers um based in india one over here and then myself um but the two in india they they still own their own like complete vertical um of a product and we we don't have other designers they really work with other than us like coming together on a weekly basis to just kind of check in on each other and make sure like all of our products are going well but when it comes to like responsibilities of that that vertical right there's not like other designers that they're working with on that specific product um so I, I'm saying all this because I, I, I want to share with the listeners that there's a variety of ways that like teams can work um, internationally, right? And it's not always like under the assumption that the team is like really robust and that you're working across um, in that way. But I, I'm curious if, I don't know, if y'all had any other kind of combinations come to mind of how teams can work, because uh, I think that's a good thing for us to cover. My teams have been where well, there's one product with three designers, two in India, one in Bulgaria, and then I'm managing it from here in the US. So I would say uh, the first or the best case would be where every location has their own deliverables, which they own end to end. And the second would be where you have designers owning different verticals, again, owning it, where you come together once a while on a regular cadence to ensure that the quality, timely deliverables, and maybe the consistency across, or even touch points, they're all uh, user touch points, I mean, are uh, covered uh, in the way we expected it or wanted it. But the challenge probably comes when you have uh, one designer in Bulgaria and one designer in India and one in the US, and now you're trying to make it efficient and deliver faster for the go to market. And then now you have to hand over the job at the end of the day. I have had a great time with those challenges and the ambiguity that um, every evening we would have a 30-minute handoff session and every morning we would have a 30-minute handoff session. What we're doing is essentially telling them what we have done and where to take it from and all the nuisances that go around it. 
what was what was super nice that as we iterated over months we started improving ourselves by making a lot of those things asynchronous and then keeping only very few nuances to that synchronous time first we started by telling which files we have changed and which tickets are we working on and then we also started adding uh, how much we have made progress and we also started saying what were the challenges and what we what did we try so that the next team can start building on on top of what they've already tried and not do the same trial again for redundancy uh, and goes back to what oro said that once you have your one clear communication and two also have ownership on different verticals because uh, there were different designers working on it we said hey you ensure you ensure the final review of the visuals while you take care of the motion you take care of the interaction and you take care of which is what i used to do to look at the end to end experience of that workflow but we even even in the third category my point was that we all had individual ownership and accountability and then we had clear communication and the f- the other thing was we had trust and respect you know we trust that we all did our best and since you're you're like all working on the same thing it's so interesting cuz i it's it's really cool hearing like the different ways this can work um cuz again just from my own lens and perspective having been at VBM where it's it's been a bit different right it's not that we don't review the work that other people do but none of us are having to pick up the work within the next 24 hours to keep it going um, so it's very insightful for me. <laughs> yeah. And another thing is that it goes back to then the basics. If we have our naming conventions, whether it's the files, names, whether it's the layer names in Figma, stuff like that, that really adds up to all the time that you need to be efficient. Oro? So one of the examples I can give is that in our world, you know, while so a lot of my uh, analogies that comes are from the industrial design world. So when you're designing automobiles, right? So we don't have one designer. We have a bunch of designers working on different things. So we have something known as a math breakup, right? So what we do in very early in the process is that, you know, because we know that end of the day, we are going to design this vehicle. So how do you kind of efficiently and effectively you know, do a breakup of the vehicle that can be independently taken up by designers to work on. Whereas in the digital world, it might be slightly difficult because a lot of our experiences have overlaps. So one of the best projects that I've worked in the past was in banking. Right. So banking is as complex as enterprise. So, uh, you know, when you're doing an entire banking, which has retail banking, corporate banking, you know, you have multiple stakeholders, then you have investment loans. So you have different segments. So how do you kind of, you know, work? And we were a team of 60 people distributed across three locations. So it was South Africa, London and India. So how do we, uh, you know, work efficiently with these teams across three locations? And I was primarily responsible for the entire project. So one of the things which we did, like how what Laurel said and what Tusar said is that, you know, while it might be difficult for, you know, overlaps on a daily basis because of time zones, right? We have limitation of time zones. So how do designers pick up, you know, where other designers have left? So we came up with a concept known as the master graphics file, right? For example, so few senior designers were responsible to change the overall structure or the architecture of the entire design. Like, for example, let's say if you look at global nav, primary navs, notification system. So what we ended up doing was we created 
lot of them as master graphics files you know and the designers of who were responsible for that once they work on those files and update it starts publishing across all the other designs in the tree structure so that like what tusar said right nomenclatures so in a very early in the process we kind of define that when you're defining the user interface structure for the entire project we started doing our maths we started doing a math breakup you know what can call, qualify some of the master graphics files and it sometimes it might happen that you know as you start working in the entire process you will realize that some other you know uh, screen types or page types are going to come up which will become unique right so when they become unique you add them to the master graphics file so what happens is that all the designers who whether come early in the process or come later in the process they always have a ready reference of the entire ui structure what's happening and they can pick up their own modules and continue to work from there so that eventually when you stitch all of them in the tree structure as a prototype you start seeing the overall product so that's one of the ways that we have done in the past uh, with uh, you know very efficiently across locations like you know the biggest team that i worked in in terms of was banking across multiple locations you have team in africa you know us india china so how do you kind of you know align with all of them and this worked uh, marvelously yeah i think if you have that base set like with that master setup that you said in in our case it would be a design system and a process in place right if you have these two things to start with then you can very efficiently go ahead and execute uh, across the board right uh, laurel why don't you tell us about the cultural aspect of it? when you have multiple teams in different places how do you have one thing that people can maybe joke about or even have fun is it <laughs> <laughs> what challenges did you face? Usually we just joke about me as the manager. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's always a safe place. It's just to make fun of the leader, right? Um, I think, you know, well, first off, like it this is my first uh job where I got to work truly like internationally. And I, I got the privilege to be able to go to India um in January of this year. And it was such a, a beautiful experience, like to to meet you Oro in person, to meet my own team members in person and to um to just like sit in an office in India for a couple of days and and get to get to see how things operate over there and um I, I thought that was just so wonderful to get that experience and when I came back uh, to the US like that those those relationships that we built in person there helped being um abroad and and working remotely way easier because now we like i don't know there was there was just a change in the way that we saw each other more as people and i thought that was a beautiful thing and i highly encourage companies to do that because even though you might not see like the the numerical value of it <laughs> right away it does help the team feel you know more appreciated and more part of things that are going on far far away right um but as for like the culture aspect i mean i i think Honestly, I think that actually helped fix, not fix, there was nothing broken, but like, you know, that helped reinforce um, that they're valuable team members. So um, one of my focuses is, is if, if we could get people visas, let's try to get them visas, right? Uh, let's try to like remove the barriers of, of travel now that, you know, a lot of the pandemic and stuff is starting to move further, further away. It's like, what what is the new normal that, that can start taking place and how do we actually find... Um, spaces where we can meet up with each other um because then when you go back you have that reinforced uh friendship in a way and working relationship right 
um, to take with you. Um, there's just, just an overall better understanding of yeah. each other. Many years ago, uh, we were told about cultural sensitivity. You should be aware mm. of it when you're working with global teams. Years down the line, I would say that you should talk about cultural celebrations, you know. Oh, I like that. Uh, right? So in, in our case, VPS design team with across four locations, what we would do is every uh, team event would be celebrating different cultures. So whether it was food, whether it was celebration, whether it was dresses, whatever it was, or even exotic places that locally people go to, we would simply take that time as a as a moment to learn different uh, cultures and appreciate it. So we've all become better and more learned and more experienced people, right? Definitely. And actually, there uh, you just reminded me, and this isn't so much like my small team, but like the broader org that I work with, um, when we do um, company, like, you know, all hands um, for, for the business unit, they play different music from different places around the world every time to go through like the different acknowledgements and, you know, uh, celebrations and things for people's anniversaries. And that's always like a delightful thing to see that people are being conscientious of that and trying to make it something that's that fits for everyone. And it's not just like American music, you know? Yeah. And, and now we recently had the India Expo, right? That was a part of uh, our new leadership strategy to ensure that every global team has and celebrates its own community. So Oro, on that note, why don't you tell us about the India Expo, which we recently did, and how it impacts our global team and collaborating with global teams. Yep. Uh, the India Expo was a huge success in terms of, you know, bringing people together, translating the intent or amplifying our design orgs uh, vision across a larger engineering and R&D organization. So the expo gave, you know, us the opportunity not only to kind of bring all the designers together in India, but also kind of give us the opportunity to amplify the presence and contribution of the team, you know, across multiple products uh, that we've been contributing to over the last many, many years. And one of the important aspects of the expo was that, you know, as a R&D organization or as a tech organization, you know, it was important to kind of showcase the processes that go behind the scenes when we design these compelling experiences, right? And how do we do it? How do we collaborate? You know, how do we bring things to the surface? How do you design these experiences? How do we connect these dots, right? And this expo gave us the opportunity to kind of showcase some of those to the larger community. And also one of the important aspects is that, you know, are the designers of the site level got an opportunity to talk to the leaders, you know, talk to various cross-functional partners on a one-to-one-on-one, -on -one, which, you know, they have been doing mostly on a remote basis. But again, when you talk to your partners on a face-to-face -face level, the entire interaction changes, the type and nature of engagement changes, you know. Now you have context, now you have more familiarity of, you know, what is happening within projects, across projects, you know. you. Uh, the collaboration and the you know communication becomes much more simpler and richer which is what you know becomes sometimes very difficult to do if you have been only connecting remotely all the time that was one and the other aspect was that you know how uh, do we sensitize people to the you know various processes approaches that you know the teams or the designers they kind of uh, leverage on 
and how design thinking can not only you know change the way we approach our products but also up, uh, you know help individuals or you know cross functional partners to kind of even change the way they think about their work you know how do they can uh, you know uh, optimize their processes how do they can you know make themselves more efficient by leveraging some of our design thinking you know abilities and skills you know and that also gave us the opportunity that you know they uh, want to involve us early in the process you know they trust us more you know they can see uh, what are the tangible outcomes of some of the things that we do yeah. the level of uh, commitment and detail that y'all had when you threw this event was in incredible um but i was gonna say like i i was so I find you know, obviously the project work we do really proves a lot of, of about design and the value of it. But there's the whole other aspect of evangelizing design outside of the scope of the projects. Right now, you have other teams meeting each other and seeing how they interact with their design teams, which may be different from this one other team. And so they're all learning. Oh, there's a there's there's a, a, a way that we should be embracing this, and maybe we're not there yet, right? Or maybe we are. And we should you know pat ourselves on our shoulder, yeah, <laughs> on our back. Yeah. Um, but more so is like encouraging those teams that maybe haven't fully embraced design yet um, to seeing the benefits and the value of it and meeting other people who are already there doing it and, and reaping those rewards. And I think the Expo did a great job of that. I think there are three things where the India Expo did a great job. One, it was to uh, celebrate that ownership and accountability that the India team has as a site on its own. So one site in the global team that's one second it was able to extend that to the cross-functional partners so people are aware of what we do and how so that they can leverage us better and we have better um, collaboration in the future right but the third thing was also that other sites within the design org was able to then look at the design team not just like to your point not just from the delivery perspective but how they do what they do how they celebrate and how they live within uh a workplace, right? So I think that was such a big exposure for all three parties here, the entire design team, the design team in particular, and the cross-functional teams uh, in India. Right? So I think it was a huge success and oral uh, kudos. Yep, I mean, see, to also to kind of, it's just not to me, it's also what happens, the very important aspect of the India Expo that everyone who participated in the expo from the design organization they believed that they owned the expo themselves you know so that was one of the important aspects like how do you create that sense of belongingness in designers that they own they feel that they have that ownership they own the expo and that was a you know that's that's the success of the entire expo you know that because it everything that we did in the expo was done in-house you know it was a truly truly a design expo and everything that we did was volunteered by people so how do you kind of you know encourage people to come off come out of their day-to-day -day jobs you know come out of their day-to-day -day responsibilities and contribute significantly to something like this you know so the learnings that we took away from this expo the learnings that we had you know of managing cross-functional teams came in very handy while you know planning for this expo how do you kind of keep the narrative consistent so that you know everyone is talking about the same narrative everyone is saying the same story around the expo and also just to kind of go back to one of the points which you guys mentioned about culture right so 
the advantage that we have about working with people across different cultures or designs designers across different cultures you know as opposed to anything else is because uh, that every culture brings in their richness in what in design like for example when i work with the japanese they're very meticulous with everything that you do you know you cannot just uh, you know go to a presentation if you have not really thought through something so how do you kind of make your presentations full proof you know and when you work with europeans uh, if they feel that you know whatever concepts you have worked on the, for the first instance if it is close to what they expect then that sells through you know when you work with uh, you know us like they're very business oriented so they always encourage you to talk about things about concepts you know when you work with europeans again there's a lot of documentaries so the advantage of working with different cultures is that you learn a lot informally you end up learning a lot not about people but also about uh, you know how their culture brings on a different perspective to what we uh, do as a part of our design as a learning you know so there's lots to learn and that is something which makes this entire discipline of design you know and cross functional teams much more richer and nicer to be with yeah definitely i i would say like there's a obviously a level of each person um brings their own unique skills and personality to the table but then to your point like even depending where you're raised and culturally that can shift the way that you are in a business and um and it's it's a really wonderful skill to learn to navigate and and makes you more empathetic towards people all around the world and that's the value of design right there too is <laughs> it's being empathetic right so like i think uh it, it, it's it's very fitting uh being accepting and, and learning of all the different types of people that not only you're designing for but also that you're collaborating with um and that just connects to design in a lot of different ways. Thank you so much, Aura, for being here today. It was wonderful talking about all of the different uh, ways that teams collaborate inter internationally, globally, um, the different um, maybe tactical aspects that we talked about. And then of course, the more softer side of it, how do we how do we connect at a human level with each other, whether that's through large events like the expo that you ran or individual conversations and, and group meetings. and. Uh, I really love the way that this this conversation progressed uh, from from the tactical to the more like emotional human side, and I hope our listeners do as well. So thanks again, and till next time.